Well, tonight, I want to just share a brief word with you about this topic, to thee be all glory given. And of course, that phrase comes right out of this Christmas carol, O come all you faithful. Let me share with you the text that will guide us tonight. From Hebrews 1, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he had, has inherited is superior to theirs. I know that all of you tonight in your families have traditions at Christmas time. We all have them. You know, Cindy and I and our family, we lived for 15 years in Interlochen. And uh, for those of you joining us online, that's actually a community here in Arlington. Um, and so for us, Christmas lights is a part of our tradition. And so we always go look at interlocking lights together as a family. Um, our personal favorite, though, is David Coolidge's lights that he has uh, that light up all of Dow Worthington Gardens every year. And um, it's one of our favorites. And you know, one of the things I love about Christmas also as a pastor is just the connection that I feel to Christians all over the world during the Christmas season. In fact, uh, uh, today we need to remember in prayer the patriarch Bartholomew. He is the patriarch of the Orthodox Church. He oversees a church that, that is comprised of over 220 million people. It's the oldest church in Christendom. But I'm also appreciative of the traditions that we have in the Roman Catholic Church and the Anglican Church during this season of the year. Because one of the traditions for me is every year on Christmas Eve, I watch the Midnight Mass from St. Peter's Basilica led by the Pope. I also, on Christmas Day, will watch the Christmas Day message from Queen Elizabeth. And she is the titular head of the Anglican Church, some 80 million adherents. And, you know, I, I've never actually met Queen Elizabeth. And I've never actually met the Pope. But what would it be like to meet the Queen or the Pope? I can say I have actually seen both of them. My very first time in London, back in the early 90s, my very first day in London, I just happened to be visiting St. Paul's Cathedral. First place I went, and it was closed. And there were some folks there setting up barricades and I was so disappointed because that was where I wanted to start uh, my tour of London. And one of the guys said, well, you're in for a real treat if you'll stand right here, um, here in just a few minutes. There's going to be a processional and the queen, her majesty herself, is going to come right by here and she's coming to a program here at St. Paul's. He said, have you been to London before? I said, no. I said, it's my first time. He said, how long have you been here? I said, my very first day. He said, some people visit London for years and never see the queen. You're gonna see the queen on the very first day of your very first visit. And I just went. So, sure enough, stood there, she rode right by us, got out of her car, turned, waved at me, went on into the, uh, um, to the program. It's pretty awesome, actually. But you know, if you meet the queen, 
Y'all know there's like a set of protocols, right? That whenever you're going to meet the queen, you, you get schooled in what you're supposed to do. For example, you refer to her as your majesty. You only speak to the queen after she has spoken to you. And whenever you meet her, you either curtsy or bow, depending upon whether you're a man or a woman. You don't touch the queen unless she offers you her hand. And when you ever have dinner with the queen, someone will be seated to her right, someone will be seated to her left. The person who's seated to the right is always the guest of honor. And so the queen has a tradition. The protocol is that during the first course, she only talks to the person to her right. And then when the second course is served, then she'll talk to the person to her left. Well, uh, Formula One star Lewis Hamilton was seated to her left his very first time to meet the queen. He didn't know that, and he just struck up a conversation. And so she politely let him know that he was supposed to be talking to the person to his left during the first course, and she said, I will return to you in the second course in due time. Well, you know, he just didn't know, and she wasn't put out by it, but it's just a protocol. You know, meeting the Pope, there's also protocols. Now, I've never met the Pope, but I will say this. The last time I was in Rome, the Pope came into St. Mary Major where we were on our tour, and he just walked right by our team. First time we've ever actually seen him that close and personal. Well, if you meet the Pope, there are protocols. You refer to the Pope as your holiness, our Holy Father. You don't wear white whenever you meet with the Pope unless you're part of a royal family that's a head of state and you happen to be Roman Catholic. He's never introduced. He literally requires no introduction. I mean, he is the Pope. Um, a handshake is fine, particularly this Pope, Pope Francis. He's not a fan of selfies, so if you ever get a chance to meet with Pope Francis, don't take a selfie. He doesn't like them. However, he has been known to swap caps with people who offer him their cap. He offers you his. He's a, a very amicable man. Well, what is all that about? Why, why are there protocols about meeting a queen or meeting a pope? Well, the deal is they're special people, right? And so they're supposed to be treated in a certain way. Now, a lot of people violate protocols. For example, Joe Biden kept his sunglasses on when he first met the queen. You don't wear sunglasses in the queen's presence. Michelle Obama patted the queen on the back. You don't pat the queen. <clears throat> Donald Trump stepped in front of the queen inadvertently, not really on purpose. You don't step in front of the queen. You're not boxing out for a rebound. There are protocols <laughs> when you meet the Queen of England. There have been plenty of people who violated the Pope's protocols, though. Think about it. One of the most interesting stories to me actually is one Pope violating those very protocols and his relationship to the previous Pope. In AD 897, Pope Stephen VI was not a fan of the Pope who had served previously. The, the Pope who actually served before him only lasted 15 days and he died unexpectedly. But Pope Formosus had served for a number of years and he and Stephen were arch enemies of one another. And Stephen thought Pope Formosus should have never been Pope in the first place. And Pope Formosus died. Benedict became Pope. I mean, Boniface became Pope just for 15 days. Well, then Stephen became Pope. He decided to try Formosus in a criminal proceeding. So he had his body exhumed from the grave. He had him propped up on a witness stand in his papal outfit, and he tried him for crimes against the church. Remarkably, he was found guilty. It's fascinating. 
He then had his three fingers that the Pope uses as a blessing removed, and then his body was thrown into the Tiber River. Unfortunately for Stephen, Formosus had some family members who were still alive in the middle of the night. They captured him and strangled him. So, all that to say, protocol doesn't stop some people from doing what they want to do. I defy you to find another preacher who'll tell that story on Christmas Eve tonight in the world. Um, so, but I say all that to say this. This year at First Baptist, we have been focusing on a particular Christmas carol. It's number 103 in your hymnal. Why don't you get it out for just a second? It's a familiar one to you. I would submit probably that for some of you, one verse is unfamiliar. We sang it tonight because we've been singing it at our church. This carol, we think was probably written by Cistercian monks sometime in the 12th century, originally in Latin. And these are the four original stanzas translated into English for us so that we could sing them together tonight. And what we've been doing as a church is we've been working through the theology of this beautiful Christmas carol. So we've looked at the, the prophecies about Bethlehem we have also looked at, notice verse two, true God of true God, um, begotten, not created. We've looked at that theologically, citizens of heaven, word of the Father. Well, tonight we're going to look at this one. If you look at the last stanza, yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory given. That's the topic for tonight. And let me just offer a couple of comments about that because here's what we're doing when we sing these carols. We're singing our theology. It's shaping what we believe and expressing what we believe. What does it mean to give glory to Jesus? Well, I want you to think about that this Christmas season because that's really a wonderful opportunity for you. To him be all glory. I'm here to tell you tonight, he's worthy of it. We just read Revelation 5, power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, praise. And we just read in Hebrews 1, what does the writer of Hebrews say? He's the word of God. God spoke everything through him. He's the heir of all things. He's the creative agent of the Trinity. He's, he perfectly reflects God's glory on earth. He perfectly bears God's image on earth. That's actually our assignment as human beings is to bear God's image and reflect God's glory and we fall short of it all the time. The opportunity to reflect God's goodness, God's character, God's essence, nobody's done that like Jesus. He's done it for us. And so because of that, his power holds everything together. He's provided for our salvation and he's seated at the right hand of God. So what should we do as Christians? What should we do with Jesus? Like I said, there's a protocol for meeting the Pope. There's a protocol for meeting the Queen. Well, for Christians, I can promise you there's a protocol for serving our Savior because he is just that. And he is worthy of glory. We're to worship him. We're to praise him, bring our gifts to him, our praise, our thanksgiving, our time, our passions, our gifts, our finances, our resources. One of the things that I would encourage you to do this Christmas season is take some time to reflect on this past year. We have been through so much as a society, but how have you spent this year? Have you spent your time? How have you ordered your passions? How have you used your resources that God has entrusted to you? If you were to just do a summary of 2021, what would be your assessment 
of what you have done with what you have been given? How have you spent everything God has given you? Well, that's a good thing to do. And at Christmas, perhaps it's a time for us to be reminded that we have an opportunity to actually bless our Lord with our words, but with our actions, with our lives, that we actually can invest ourselves in every area of our life in such a way that we reflect the goodness and the character of Jesus in what we do. In other words, how am I living my life? Am I living it in his presence, through his power, in the center of his will? It's so easy, y'all, to live in the center of our own will. I promise you, I'm really good at it. But it's so much more challenging and so much more fulfilling to live in the center of his will. So can I just encourage us tonight to give it some consideration? Well, let me ask you this. Is he worthy of that? Is he worthy of it? Let me remind you of who he is. He's the son of God. This Christmas when we celebrate his birth, he's the word of God. He's the creator. He's our redeemer. He's the lamb of God. He's our suffering savior. He's our risen Lord. He is our enthroned master. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is the prince of peace and hallelujah. He is our coming king. So when we come to the manger this year as Christians, let's declare to thee, Jesus, to you, be all glory given. That's my hope and my prayer for us this Christmas season. What is it that the Apostle John said? John said that he was the Word and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only, the Son of God. But John would also say that in Jesus was life and that life is the light of all mankind.